So we are starting off a new series on suffering this morning. So Vince, I'd love for you to get us started um, just kicking things off of why we're talking about suffering and why... Just a light and cheery topic, right? Yeah, yeah. Welcome, suffering. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, um, so the the reason that um, I thought we could do several weeks here to start uh, the year, uh, some, I mean... Maybe somewhat inspired by what Beth was praying, that this, this can be a time. Um, uh, my, my therapist once described um, these stretches in the year as hallway months, mm-hmm. where you're like, you're, you're leaving something big or you're about to start something big. So we're like leaving the holidays. And so it's a hallway between rooms. And you sort of have this like false sense that you're supposed to be on a high or you're supposed to be feeling a certain way. And maybe you don't. And so that is very confusing and destabilizing. And so um, January can be such a time, uh, a hallway month. So um, I thought, um, let's not run from that. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. And then I had, um, I had some recent reflection that I shared with a couple of people in the church uh, already that got me thinking, um, wh- what would be a unique way for us to talk about that and not run from the fact that sometimes we just feel off and, and suffering is a part of life and it's nothing to be afraid of, um, but what do we do with that? Um, I was thinking about my freshman year of high school and then uh, at the same time my wife's freshman year of high school uh, and, uh, a year later and, uh, and how there were some, there, there are some, uh, some parallels um, to our experience. We didn't know each other at the time, um, but my freshman year of high school is one of the hardest of my entire life. Um, this was the year that my mom was dying of cancer and she did uh, pass away in January of 2001. Um, I just sort of began drifting that year. Like I, um, I, I, I've talked a lot of before about like, you know, nobody who's 15 years old knows how to grieve, right? Like you, mm-hmm. you can hardly know how to grieve when you're in your 30s. Um, I remember getting the worst grades of my life, you know, that year. Like, I, it's, it was always a kid who never had struggled with that, but it was obvious that I was drifting a little bit, you know, just you look at the data of that life. Um, lonely, self-reliance, you know, kind of um, that becoming like a, a coping mechanism. Like, I can, I can take care of myself. People may not be there for me tomorrow, so I'll, I'll just take care of myself. And um, it's just sort of uh, those, those sorts of things forming who I am. And... Um, my, my, I was talking to my wife about uh, her freshman year. Uh, she moved across the world um, after living abroad from middle school and, and then ends up uh, in Chicago public schools for uh, her high school experience and suddenly thrust into you know, the world where like pop culture determines everything mm-hmm. and she's completely uninitiated in that having lived outside of that. And you know, this is pre like internet era where no matter where you are, you're consuming American culture. And, uh, you know, she's like, it's a year of long, lonely train ride commutes for her. It's a year where we look back now and we wonder, you know, there was no diagnosis at the time, but we wonder if she was clinically depressed. And that, that, that seems to track with a lot of uh, what, we, what we look at. And just like thinking about these freshman years that we had, they are this, these, these moments of such difficulty for us. And at the same time, there are, there's maybe not another year for both of us that formed who we are today more. And that is, that is like, what do we do with that, right? Yeah. It's there, in some way, those, are the re- those years are the reasons that we have become people who are resilient, um, become people who like, are not afraid to um, sit in 
pain or suffering for somebody else. If somebody else is feeling despair or if somebody else is feeling grief, like I don't run away from that. I kind of feel activated in that. And like I can be there for this person. Um, it, like it, it's given us perspective. Like when we are experiencing a hard season, um, there's something like I've been through harder, you know, that, yeah. or, or I've seen harder. And, and that, that holds us in a place of like, gosh, we've been formed with, in, in, by these such, such circumstances I don't wish on anybody. And so then, then I get into thinking like, we have kids. We have a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old and a 4-year-old and a 1-year-old. And we're like, so I want these sorts of, um, these sorts of capacities or values to form my children. But if suffering is what like was one of the big things that formed them, obviously I don't, I want to like protect my children at all costs from suffering, right? So what, that's such a weird, like, oh, um, I, I want this for my children. I do think it's one of the best things about us as I think about us as adults and who we've become to be, but uh, is there another way? And so, you know, we've, we've had conversations about that as another way. I don't know, like, I, it just feels like there is a, there is a tension back and forth beque- between, like, obviously I want to alleviate suffering for my children at any point that I can, but also there's this some degree of we learned to embrace it in our lives that feels important. And so I want to live at that tension for a little while of the good life. I mean, of course, like, like, we live in the time of, like, modern medicine and science and technology, and so we can alleviate suffering in so many places, and we want to do that. And what about my freshman year that taught me that embracing suffering is also important? How do we, how do we hold those together, alleviate and embrace suffering? Yeah, and I think the, the underlying thing here is that the suffering piece is going to be inevitable. And yes. We, are going we can't to run be, away from it forever. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. we, we're going to have these moments like you were describing um, that are just so disorienting. And then I think there's this expectation that you just come out stronger on the other side um, but what does that actual middle ground of wrestling really look yes. like? Yes, Be, we, I, I mean, we're, we love stories about people coming out strong on the other ground, on the other side. But um, is it just because their suffering was taken away, alleviated, or is there something else that sometimes happens where maybe like it was embraced in a way? Mm-hmm. What? How are those two things different? Yeah, let's keep talking about that. Um, this alleviating and embracing tension societally. Do you think that we? emphasize or overemphasize one or the other? Yeah, I mean, uh, so I, I do think that this is the, this is the challenge for uh, modern Americans or people who live in, in Western Europe or you know, the, these sorts of places in the world because we are so compelled by, and, and to great effect, like we can alleviate a lot of suffering through science and medicine and technology and that's wonderful and important. We want to do that. Um, but that means that like the embrace side is a li- we're we're underdeveloped in that because we're so well developed in in pursuing alleviating suffering, and so we like we have no problem if we're somebody who's trying to pursue a full life. We have no problem trying to figure out like how do I minimize suffering? How do I, how do I do that for my children? How do I do that for myself? How do I do that for my loved ones? If somebody that I know is in trouble, I want to like make their life easier, right? Like I wanna I wanna buy them a meal. I wanna do the dishes for them. Or I want to alleviate their stress, right? Mm-hmm. We have no problem doing that. But, um, but there, we like embrace suffering is a little bit more of an Eastern thought, right? It's not mm-hmm. so Western world. It's um, the, the, the greatest teachers throughout history maybe have been outside of the Christian tradition on this. And, uh, and so maybe, maybe we can look at Jesus with fresh eyes when we look through those directions and saying, oh, maybe, maybe there's something else here. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, because you think about it, like 
embrace, um, am I, if when we say embrace suffering, are we saying embrace chronic illness, right? Are we saying embrace uh, the death of a loved one, like I experienced? Are we saying embrace a failed relationship? Or are we saying embrace an experience of, of abuse? Uh, you know, like we, we might want to like come back and be like, no, 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 yeah. suffering should always be uh, resisted or, or not tolerated. Does, does, that, does that make sense? Yeah, and I think um, for me, embrace just sounds a lot more abstract. Mm. Like are we saying, um, is embracing suffering the same as justifying Ooh, suffering? great question, yes, um, yeah. Or this idea of like, oh, it's it's God's will, and I'm going to be formed. Like this is what God's in, intends for my life that I'll be formed through this suffering. I love that, and I, I think think maybe we can tease out the difference because I, I would say no, embrace yeah. and justify are not the same thing, um, and maybe we can we can continue to un, unfold that. But I, I do think that that's a really important. Um, that that resistance in us, I think, is in, is probably in a lot of people represented here at Brownline. Uh, in progressive circles, we might feel uncomfortable with embrace suffering because we've learned to center the experience of victims, and uh, and so we might feel this is telling a, somebody who's abused or somebody who's oppressed to like just keep being a good victim. Mm -hmm. And that, rightly, if you if you've been sort of in those circles that have recognized like, oh, that's not okay. We can't continue to do that. That's that's a tool for people who who do have power to stay in power. Um, yeah, that we want to avoid. So what does it mean? What, can embrace suffering mean something different than that? Or um, another one that's really important to me in my life is the, the God question of is, is, uh, is embracing suffering mean justifying that like, uh, that there's a God who was behind this? And I don't believe that. Um, do we have to call like me losing my mother, do we have to call cancer good because God willed it or something like that? And I, 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 do, I feel very uncomfortable yeah. with that sort of thing. And so what do I believe about the, the reality, the inevitability of suffering and God's role in it? That's something different. I don't want to justify suffering as okay, but there is something about the fact that it's inevitable and everybody will face it that if we're, if we're, if we don't choose to embrace it, we're just going to lead to a place of bitterness or resentment or just getting stuck and you know uh, shifting the blame forever. Like there is some degree of doing, do, and, yeah. What it, what exactly does that mean to embrace that we have to do, or else suffering will just consume us forever? Yeah. It's interesting because I think I could see toxic positivity on either end of the tension. Oh, say as okay, a landing yeah, place. Yeah, say, say that more. Yeah. So on the alleviate side, you have the like self-care your way out of this, like good vibes only, good that vibes type only. of mentality. Yeah, yeah. But then on the embrace side, you're embracing it, but there's like, oh, but there's a silver lining in this. The, you um, can embrace this because everything yeah, happens yeah. for a reason. Yes, that yes. type of thinking. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important to think of alleviating suffering isn't just the absence of suffering and embracing isn't just reasoning your way out of it. It's not reasoning. Yeah, I think that's really important that it's not like a heady thing. It's mm -hmm. not like, um, I think there are- It's there embodied. Are, it's embodied. And, and there maybe there are mind things apart, like a, a big important thing for me that I've spoken on a lot, I think at this church is how do I make sense of God's relationship to things that happen that feel outside of God's mm -hmm. will? And, and, I, and I will often help, you know, I will talk over coffee with people or talk here on Sundays about like, here's how I square that in my mind. So I think that's a part of it, but there is, there's, and it's actually interesting that you say embodied um, because I, um, another maybe caveat to offer to this is uh, we, I, I, was listening to somebody who is explaining the difference. We were sometimes a little bit, um, uh, maybe we're not careful with words like trauma and, um, and you use the word embodied and, and um, I do think that 
an important thing to recognize is when we have experiences of suffering, like abuse or like uh, something harmed us in some way or something outside of our control happened, um, those situations, uh, two different people may experience them in very different ways. And so it can be, um, it, something can be abusive or something can be harmful or something can be um, difficult or uh, a situation of suffering, but not traumatic for one person. And it can be traumatic for another person because trauma is not the thing that happened. It's how your body uh, reacts to the thing that happens. And so I do think that there, there is some degree of like, like we need to punt to our professionals, our, our psychologists, our psychiatrists, mm-hmm. our, our, our counselors who can really help us in those situations who are trauma-informed in their uh, in their work when embrace suffering becomes so, um, like, it, 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 that becomes something that is like a toxic positivity. Why don't you do it already? Why don't you just, you know, embrace your suffering already? That's where we need to go to our professionals because we're getting into the land of, like, this is, the way this is sitting in somebody is traumatic. Mm-hmm. Rather than, I think, the statistically average person would be able to find some sort of thing that is not, um, that, that that, that is not like tripping trauma wires, but is allowing them to metabolize the things that happen to them so they don't turn bitter, they don't turn cynical, they don't turn angry and are just looking. In the moment they're suffering, it's like a rage fest and you're just, you know, passive aggressiving yourself on everybody. Yeah. I think of the, the term that I picked up in therapy a long time ago, uh, radical acceptance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then that might be a helpful way of framing embrace. I, too. I think radical acceptance is a huge part. That's uh, definitely falls under the category of embracing suffering. If you feel like you've radically accepted something horrible that has happened to you, that's what we're talking about. Yes, exactly. Um, and I mean, I can imagine that as we're talking about this, for all of us, there may be experiences that come to mind with this tension that some instance of suffering has formed all of us. Mm-hmm. I think that that is kind of a universal experience. Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder if, um, like, one question you could pose to yourself is, like, um, I'm thinking about my childhood. I'm thinking about, uh, you know, were there, were there experiences of you growing up where you felt like you were faced with this question of embracing suffering or, um, you know, be, sort of being over, o- overcome by or stuck in it is maybe the, the better phrase. I wonder, I wonder if you feel like that, uh, that tension of here are ways to alleviate your suffering, here are ways to embrace your suffering. I wonder if, if either of those felt um, positively, uh, like, brought to you, like here, here are helpful things you can do or practical things you can do, or that's an important conversation that we want to be able to have in this family or in this community, versus I wonder if maybe some of those things felt underrepresented. Maybe you didn't feel like you ever got that. Um, that I, I'm maybe, um, this, is a, this is a question that feels helpful uh, to me to think about is knee-jerk does uh, like, what does your knee-jerk emotional response to suffering feel like today? Does it feel like something that needs to be alleviated? Or does it feel like it's something that needs to be embraced? Knee-jerk. How do you react emotionally? That's an, I think that's revealing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you're willing to share any of that in the chat and Discord, too, we'd love to be able to read those back and have that kind of direct um, where this conversation goes the next few Sundays. Mm. Oh, and ju- sorry, just because we're, we're referring to the chat, this is a great comment from Melissa in the chat um, saying that uh, something that we learned was suffering equals pain plus inaction. 
I, mm. I kind of like that. I, I think I think that's maybe what we're getting at at this idea of suffering just getting lodged in you and stuck and and not moved through you. Uh, where so the opposite of embracing it. Um, we we obviously you know again like holding it in tension with that other side mm-hmm. of if there are ways that we can alleviate unnecessary suffering, one million percent we're for it. But for the inevitable suffering that does have uh, that does happen, are we stuck in an action? Do we just stay in the same place? I, I like that idea of. Um, there, there's something has to happen with it, and that's what we're talking about when we embrace it. Yeah. So I wonder if we can switch gears a little bit here and talk about Jesus as a guide in navigating this tension. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, um, I we will we are going to make as I mentioned this this tension is our topic for the next uh, several weeks. This alleviate and embrace suffering, and, and we're leaning a little bit more into the embrace suffering side because I think it does come less naturally to us. Um, Jesus is this beautiful capturing of that tension in, in Jesus's life and ministry. Uh, I, uh, uh, one of our uh, favorite quotations is Father Richard Rohr, who writes prolifically on the spiritual life. And Rohr uh, wrote an entire book called The Naked Now, arguing that Jesus was the first Eastern thinker in the West. So he's the first thinker that's sort of bringing more like Buddhist or Taoist thought into the land of Judeo-Christian values. And that's a really fascinating idea. I, I think that's, you know, he sort of merges these two uh, traditions together. Um, um, and I, I think I think you see. So Jesus' self-professed mission is the kingdom of God, and it's a mission of alleviating suffering. He says, "I have come to heal the sick and set the captives free, and include the outcast." Uh, all of these things that are about like stepping into actual experiences of suffering and saying, "I'm going to help alleviate these. I'm going to help remove these. I'm going to limit the needless suffering that people experience." Uh, you know, like even even his own life, like Jesus. Uh, like a couple of weeks ago, uh, you were you were talking about like Jesus takes naps, you know, <laughs> like they're, they're, he has a pillow. Like it's, <laughs> it's it's important for him to take a nap, right? Jesus retreats from the crowds to refuel. Jesus uh, eat, uh, picks grain on the Sabbath, even though he's not supposed to, because he and his disciples are hungry. Uh, and so Jesus is about alleviating suffering, and yet at the same time, one of the key things that makes Jesus inspiring and faithful and credible as someone to take seriously is how he embraces the inevitability of suffering. And this is, this is the pinnacle of Jesus's life and his crucifixion. We like meditating on this, 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 this tension holding of Jesus to me feels like it can unlock something for us in, you know, the never ending, like I'm experiencing life the way I am right now. And maybe there's, you know, things of suffering that I, that are lodged in me. What do I do now? What do I do the next day? What do I do the next day? What do I do the next day? Meditating on that, that balance in Jesus, I think can be helpful. And when we're talking about balance, um, could you tell us a little bit about dialectics and mm-hmm. how that might be helpful in um, guiding this conversation? Yeah, so um, the one uh, word that, uh, that you and I have both learned in, in, in school is, is uh, dialectic, meditating on attention to arrive at a deeper truth. Um, so dialectics are used in debate. They're used in the social sciences. They're also used in psychology. So perhaps you've uh, heard of or you've participated in dialectical behavior therapy that is uh, related to this. Uh, In a dialectic, you have, um, there's three things. You have a thesis, and then you have an antithesis, 
And then those are in tension together, and because of that tension, you arrive at a synthesis, a new uh, thesis that you, that you come up with after that. And it's not about choosing the thesis or the antithesis, it's about letting the tension build to something new that emerges. And so sort of what we're doing here, I've got a little diagram on the screen here for us, is what we're doing is alleviate your suffering is the usual modern Western world's thesis. Like, let's eliminate as much suffering as possible. And oh my gosh, what a great thesis, right? Like that's, that's a lot of what medicine and science and technology is about. Let's limit needless suffering. Oh my gosh, we couldn't get behind that anymore. But then there are these experiences that we have in life where like, oh yeah, that inevitable thing happens and we can't fix it and we can't alleviate it and we can't take it away. And, or maybe, maybe it's like Eastern thought, like we're, we're sort of, oh, this idea of like life is suffering that Buddhism teaches, you know, it's like, oh, that, we need to incorporate that too, that's important. That, and so these are intention and they're held in tension. And our job is not to pick one or the other, but to let something new emerge. And so we're sort of suggesting that Jesus is gonna be our synthesis of the two, showing us how to hold this tension, showing us how to arrive at, uh, there is a living God that can hold us in that place that feels so impossible for us to do on our own, or even, even with other people, it can still feel impossible. Is there a God that can mediate this process for us? Yeah, and I really like the language of synthesis um, when we're talking about tension, because it can often be painted as like a tug of war between you two things. You have to things. pick one, right? Which side are you on? Yeah. Um, but with bringing together, I think it helps counter some of the binary thinking that we can get trapped in, either you're, you're one thing or the other. Mm -hmm. um, and I was having a conversation earlier this week just about how divided we are and not even necessarily with each other, but within ourselves, mm. that we can be really divided and fragmented selves. And so this idea of having Jesus as a guide, as a synthesis of bringing together, I think helps us say, how can I bring together these different experiences and different pieces of myself that have responded in different ways, that have found comfort in alleviating and comfort in embracing, and how can I weave those experiences together to be more cohesive? Well, and this is the reason for a spiritual life, in my opinion. Like, the, 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 we only get so far if our pursuit is uh, the highest ethics possible. And, and there's a lot of, I think, there's a lot of experience, like, church experiences, following Jesus, that is just like, let's attain the highest ethic possible so we know what to do in every single situation. And then like the goal in those situations is basically to be a purist, which I don't think is going to serve you because what happens when your airtight situation falls down and breaks? Mm -hmm. What do you do in that moment? And so I, I think the idea of like, there is, there, we have access to spiritual help of if I can slow down and, and, and end the, you know, like, oh, what do I, you know, like, I, my, my mind is constantly going through all of these, like, flow charts of, like, if this happens, then do this. And then if this happens, you will alleviate the suffering. But if this happens, you have to embrace the suffering. And it's like, eventually that's going to break down. And I just need to stop my exhausting turning of a wheel of a mind and say, you know, take a deep breath, God. Can you speak to me in this moment, mm -hmm. in this specific situation? There is no glossary. I can't look it up. What, what do you have for me right now? That's, that's a living experience of spirituality mm -hmm. that can speak to this very moment. It's not, it's not trying to be universal. It's not trying to speak for my entire life or what's going to be the truth for me next week or even the next moment. But what can be true right now, that to me, that, that's, that's, where, that's where we get synthesis and not just relying on what comes most naturally to us. Yeah. 
Could you give us an example of Jesus as synthesis? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, my prime uh, scripture, I think, for today of seeing Jesus as the synthesis of these two, alleviate and embrace, uh, is uh, Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane the night before his crucifixion. So perhaps you you have some uh, um, um, picture of, of what's going on. Jesus is about to be betrayed, and this is where we have these moments of him speaking to uh, his friends and saying, stay up with me, stay up with me, and, and, and pray with me, and he goes off. And there, and there's these, you know, these beautiful sort of re- uh, renderings of that anguish that he's feeling of, uh, so he's sweating blood. You know, I mean, like you just, you read this and you just think, like, wow, I've been there. I, I've told the story before of um, there was one year that I was reading this passage and at the same time reading um, the final chapters of the last Harry Potter book, where Harry Potter sort of steals himself to uh, do his own version of self-sacrifice. And I just happened to read them the same week of the Garden of Gethsemane and, and Harry Potter sort of recognizing all that it meant to sacrifice oneself and 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 yet choosing that I'm going to do this. And I was the, the story just like, oh my God, it, it just, it hit with so much power as I'd never read the Gospels before because I'd been, I'd been sort of reading this more modern telling of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, embrace suffering language. Um, w- we see all over uh, this prayer in Gethsemane, uh, the famous prayer is not my will, but yours be done, that Jesus prays. That is very much like a embrace of what's coming, right? And to be clear, uh, when, we, 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 when we talk about those sorts of prayers or, or Jesus sort of making that sort of statement, from our view, Jesus is not embracing that God's will is for Jesus to die to appease divine wrath. That is, unfortunately, often implied in church mm-hmm. settings. Our view is that Jesus is sort of sadly acknowledging, like, people's will is for him to die, and that they need the people need a scapegoat, and so Jesus is sort of choosing to say, if, if that's what's, what's become, if that's what is inevitable, then I will choose to be that scapegoat so that uh, someone else who is poor or marginalized or often scapegoated is not um, um, scapegoated. And so in that, in that act of choosing to embrace the suffering that is before him, Jesus alleviates sufferings for others. And so there, I think, is that perfect holding of tension. Is the, both are happening in this uh, prayer of, in Gethsemane and then in the crucifixion that comes. And, and then I, I, but I think at the same time, we see in his prayer, he also prays, if it is possible, God, may this cup be taken from me. And so we don't see Jesus pretending that it's like he's not in anguish. We don't see him pretending that he wouldn't like to alleviate suffering if, if he could. We see Jesus leaning into the, in, into the honesty and the boldness of his prayer while still being open-handed and humble and, and mature. He's not pinning his hopes on like, you know, well, God, you know, if, if this prayer is answered, then I'll do anything. But if not, I'm out of here. You know, it's not, it's not like this immature sort of uh, ransom note written to God, but it's, it, but it's still very honest at the same time. And that I, I also see that holding together of uh, totally wanting to alleviate suffering and that being a, a worthy cause, even for himself, and yet also recognizing there is a point where it becomes inevitable. And I, the only choice in that point is to embrace it. It's interesting to think of this as a prayer of Jesus's because I, I'm curious if we look at the prayers that we collectively pray and the songs that we sing, um, mm. where they tend to fall on the this tension. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think a lot of worship music tends to be geared toward the alleviate side. Yes. But we actually sing quite a few that are more either weaving them together 
or on the embracing side. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. So, and I know that we like to talk about music and things like the that a lot. The lyrics that so. we sing here, yes. yeah, yeah. One of our old, uh, one of our old sayings is that the the theology that most of us are going to end up with in a church is not what we're saying right now because we've been talking for a good like 15 minutes. You guys are probably like, you're ready for like, oh, I should go get another coffee before I listen again. <laughs> but the songs we sing, those get stuck in your head. That's what we believe. And so, yeah, I, I think it is really important to consider. Um, are we, you know, again, if, if alleviate suffering comes so naturally to us in the modern world, um, how, are we, how are we balancing that tension uh, when we come together in a community at church? Maybe a really important job that we do is like, we, we can embrace. We, we, when, when that, when it is, it, it, it cannot be run from or it cannot be taken away, we do not have to succumb to this overtaking us or ruining us or trapping us in bitterness forever. Exactly. And I think it's where we get the most meaningful, um, whether it is the songs that are stuck in our head or conversations with friends or the, this collective coming together, um, the most meaning that I've found personally is when the alleviate and embrace are woven together mm-hmm, in that experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's sort of a model, This the prayer in Gethsemane is, is a model. It's, it, can we, in our prayers, can we pray, if this cup can be taken from me, um, uh, maybe so, and also not my will, but yours be done. And in the sen- not in the, again, not in the sense that God is the one who is bringing the suffering to us, but God is the one who will faithfully take us through whatever is before us, even if that is suffering. Exactly. Well, Vince, I'm wondering if you want to give us a preview on courage, or if you want to save that for another. Well, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, so. One, yes, we, we've talked about uh, the word courage being a word that can be useful as we uh, look ahead to holding this tension of alleviate and, uh, and embrace. Maybe what we can do, maybe what we should do is to say what we're not talking about. And yes. then, and then, we, and then we, can, we can preview a little bit what we will and we'll save that for, for two weeks from now. That sounds, sounds good, good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So what are we not talking about <laughs> when we talk about courage? Uh, in, uh, in, I feel like in, in Christian settings, the word courage uh, can be pulled out in ways that, um, that can unsettle us, maybe based on our experience. So, I, and I do feel like you, uh, you're often tasked in the role, uh, Haley, as speaking for those of us who grew up in church, because that's not as much mm-hmm. my experience. So um, maybe you can help us uh, identify what we're not talking about when we talk about courage. Yeah, so... Um coming from my past evangelical background, I think what comes to mind is courage either presented as conquering suffering okay. or courage as bypassing pain. Okay. Um, so thinking of a lot of like individual heroics, there's huge stress on victory, especially mm. in an us versus them setting. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, having courage often translated to standing firm in your faith and understanding against the threat of worldly things. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of set up as this battle between things. And mm-hmm. you, if you're courageous, you're standing firm for what you believe in. And I do, th- I'm not saying like, don't have any beliefs and don't stand up for anything. But in this particular setting, this religious courage is constantly seeing an us versus them. Yeah. Um, and I think that the, the particular danger this comes with is this idea of conquering, mm-hmm. especially conquering in God's name. Um, so that's one of the forms. And then the other form with bypassing pain, I think um, when you're talking about courage in a lot of Christian circles, it's easy to have these 
uh, scripture verses just ready to go about be strong and courageous, do not be afraid. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things work together for the good of those who love him. Mm-hmm. And the good thing is that much of this, um, I'm not painting all of this in a negative light at all because it taught me that being courageous and choosing courage is a partnership with God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a really big stress of like, you can't do this by yourself. You need to be in That's partnership. That's huge. Yes, that feels helpful. Uh-huh. Um, but the hard part is when you're you're being vulnerable, you're looking to find your way through this alleviate, embrace tension, and you're just given a scripture verse, and you're not met with that and yeah. empathy or that or what, and what do I do when it doesn't work? Exactly like when I when I'm I'm persistently stuck in that place, and I'm doing what you told me to do. Yeah, yeah. and so courage can have this downside of um, being over spiritualized or romanticizing suffering, even. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, I think we'll, we'll save a longer conversation on, on courage for um, a couple weeks from now. But essentially, what, um, when we say courage can be a useful thing to, to, um, to strive for when we're trying to figure out this balance of alleviate versus embrace suffering, um, I think what we're getting at is both of those examples that, that we want to avoid um, have this like... Um, like the, um, uh, I'm, I'm imagining like a coffee and it's like it, the, the, the cream is like super frothed up, you know, like it's just constantly stirring because it, it, it's frantic and it's, uh, and there's no rest in what you describe because you're, you're constantly like you're either looking for the, the verse that will settle your heart or you're trying to conquer, you know, that thing that, and, and I think what we're looking for when we talk about uh, the courage that can help us hold that tension is not something that, um, that amps us up, but it's something that dials us down. Mm-hmm. It is something that brings us to a place of um, a settled courage. Um, mm-hmm. The 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 idea of like, I here I am, you know, here here I stand, and I will not, you know, like the more more kind of like uh, uh, lines from the scriptures of like not being shaken or um, God being my rock and my foundation, you know, in the sense of like um, waters can come and crash and I can still hold. That's the kind of courage that, um, that, I, that we are going to uh, dig into and talk mm-hmm. about more because that can be a useful type of courage. It's not that, that, um, that uh, frothed up, uh, hyperactive, that it is something that is, it's not passive, it's deeply active, I guess, as we, as we mentioned before, but it is such a, of such a different caliber um, than constantly responding, constantly being reactive. Uh, and, and that is something that I, do, that I do think that it would be really wise for us to, to lean into and talk to for maybe a whole Sunday. Yeah. I think having a landing place of settled courage is helpful in navigating this tension. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that just feels like a, a good place to land. Yeah, yeah. So um, maybe what we'll do is we'll mention. So there, there are lots of there are lots of directions we can go um, in terms of talking about holding the balance of alleviate suffering versus embrace suffering uh, as the next several weeks go on. So we would love to. I'm I'm seeing a very active chat this morning, which is good. That's what we're hoping for, and we're going to encourage that one more time. So uh, if you want to join in the chat, please do so. Jump into the the Discord that we use. Uh, for this. It's really easy. You just follow that QR code and tell us what you want to hear more about. Ask a direct question of like, this is something that consistently you know, stresses me out or I'm not sure what to do with it and it's on that tension because uh, we'll use what we see in Discord as we plan uh, the rest of uh, the next several weeks here. Um, I want to I wanna pray as we close today, as we do every week. So, um, so one thing I wanted to mention, um, just as we, uh, today our, 
what we've mostly been talking about is how it's kind of hard for modern people to, embr to embrace suffering. We're much better at the alleviate suffering. And I wonder if part of the reason for that is that we just have so few opportunities to uh, stop our bodies and, and like, I think if, if embrace of suffering is happening and it's embodied as we talk about, it has to happen in time. You can't just like, you know, you, you can't do it while you're multitasking <laughs> or you can't, you can't do it during your lunch break. Like, you know, it's like, what, what does it mean to actually slow down and have a moment where you moved the ball forward on embracing suffering? I mean, like, it, it just takes time. It takes space to do that. And we are not furnished with much space to do those sorts of things in modern life because we're not, we're not practiced in it. We're much better at saying, how do we stop the future suffering? Um, so that is, like, you know, one of the things that we try to take really seriously at our church is, like, that is a real challenge for modern people. Are we just going to kind of talk about these things and then hope that it was inspiring enough that you go and do it on your own? Or can we, like, you know, sort of make these times that we're together here on Sundays, like, well, that was a time that I was actually able to stop and, and keep my body in one place and maybe keep my mind in one place and experience a God that, that doesn't feel like it, you know, it, it, it's not possible for me to experience because the pictures that have been painted for me of that God are kind of like not very attractive or the, or maybe the pictures that have been painted for me of that God, like don't, they, they just feel like they fall down in the face of modern science. Like what if we could have spaces that take those challenges really seriously and whew, take a breath, take a beat, take a breath together and maybe if we, if we open ourselves to it, something can happen that cannot happen at the regular pace of modern life. So that is what I want to do. That is what uh, I hope that we can, um, once again, slow ourselves down to, to experience in prayer. Um, the way that we're going to do that is, in the moment, I'm going to ask everybody to call to mind something uh, that is... That, that they would regard as an unfinished or unresolved suffering in your life. So this could be something that is actively going on for you right now, or this could be something that is from your past. That's totally fine. Either of those would work. Something that, uh, if we're using that image of like it's rattling around inside you, it hasn't moved its way out, some suffering that's stuck, that's still inside, and um, I, if I can give a few more directions just to help with this, um, I would love for this to be some sort of, um, some sort of loss or, 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 or strain or, you know, whether it's a limitation or, or a pain or it's outside of your control or it's something that you regret, whatever it is, I would love for it to be as personal as possible rather than like a, um, a really, really large thing. So like... Um, I'm going to encourage us uh, not to call to mind uh, a, a massive global suffering. So if, if we're not, not something like the war in Gaza, unless you know someone personally who is affected by this. Um, but so, so something that's, that's a little bit closer to home because we want to work with that. Not because we don't care about or don't want to pray for those other things, but because we can't embrace somebody else's suffering. We can only embrace our own suffering. So we want to stick with something that's deeply personal. But it, we, we want it to be something that's, that's larger than just a, like, a circumstantial stress, okay? So uh, does, does that help, like, to find that middle ground, right? Larger than a circumstantial stress, but something that is deeply personal. That's what I want us to call to mind. And then I'm going to give us a second to think about that, and then I'm going to break the silence as I guide us through some prayer. Does that sound good? Do we have any questions? You can call them out. Do you have any questions on what we're trying to figure, what we're trying to come up with in our brain?
We're good? Okay, okay, cool. Um, let me give us all a second. If it helps you to close your eyes as you're searching your mind for, for something to, to, to bring to mind, um, you can do that. Or if you'd rather just keep your eyes open and, and stay in a calm space. All we're looking for here is just to create some quiet uh, for yourself and for those other people around you. I'm going to give us 30 seconds more to sort of help us arrive at something that we're holding in mind. Perhaps something came to mind for you immediately. That's wonderful. But for any of us who are struggling or who are maybe like doing the perfectionist game of like, oh, no, not that one. Oh, no, that one's not good enough. Oh, maybe this one. We're going to, now we're going to be gentle with ourselves for this last 30 seconds. Anything that falls into this category of suffering that's unresolved would be wise for us to lean into. So... We allow ourselves to select one. And so here's what we're going to do. I encourage you, as you have this instance or experience or, or like collection of instances of unresolved suffering for you, I want you to imagine that you're, uh, you're sort of viewing the scene from the outside, like you're in, you're in an, an, an amphitheater and you're seeing what's happening on stage. And usually in amphitheaters, you're sort of, the audience is higher than the stage, but I want you to imagine the stage sort of being raised up. Slowly, they're kind of like a higher and higher, and now it's at your eye level and you're observing you in pain or frustrated or betrayed or hurt or out of control, you're observing yourself. And the stage is still rising. It's getting higher and higher until you can, you can see just behind the stage the sun. So the sun is shining onto this stage where you're observing yourself experiencing pain but the sun is also shining on you as the observer. And you, that sun is God. And as you observe yourself in pain, God is shining God's light onto you and saying, I have never left you and saying, I'm here with you And as the questions present themselves to us, what do I do now? 
We ask, God, that you would present yourself to us as the spirit that answers those questions in real time. We don't need to know all of the details ahead of time or know how the flowchart ends now. But we can ask one moment by one moment by one moment, what do I do now? What do I do now? Gift us with times to slow our bodies and our minds down to do this same sort of thing again, whether it's here at church on Sundays, woven into our daily lives, through the kind questions of a friend or the presence of a loved one. And as we meditate on you and your holding of the tension of alleviating and embracing the hardest things about our, our stories, we ask that you would remind us who we are and that we can do this, that we can have courage in that good way. In Jesus' name, amen.